Welcome to the Institute's Leading Edge, a show dedicated to helping the automotive aftermarket service industry. Covering topics suggested by you, the listener, we dive into what's important, getting you what you need to succeed. Here's what's coming up. Well, business, but business came back with a vengeance. I mean, we, you've got clients that are probably up. Most of my clients are up 20 to 30%. So the point is the, the cash year. came back. They yeah. learned how to manage expenses. They realized the value and the power of having a good cash position. Now they're going to conserve a little bit. Now they're going to be conservative on training, but it's going to push guys like you, guys like Napa, guys like World Pack to a new level of giving value for the dollars they're giving. And holding online resumes, learning management systems, scores, assessments in, assessments out. If, yeah. we, if, if all of that isn't done, it's a waste of dollars. I think people will be able, willing to pay for training at a new level. We need your help. By submitting questions or topics to institute at ifrave.com, we can continue to cover things that are relevant to you. But for now, we've collected a panel of experts to get you serious results. So what are we waiting for? Let's get into it. All right. Um, welcome to The Leading Edge. I'm here with uh, Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio, Town Hall Academy for the record, and Carmcast. Holy smokes. He's a... Uh, He's a, an icon in the industry. Um, yeah, you are, Carm, whether you like it or not. Um, and, and the fact is that there's more to come, see. I, and maybe I'll come on your show one day and introduce something new. Who knows? All right. I'm, I'm ready for that anytime. We're, we're, um, we're moving ahead, too. I think the changes in our world have uh, facilitated some things and made some things easier to uh, move forward. And so I want to start really, I want to ask you what your, what your most interesting uh, podcasts have been because you've done so many, what, where are you at? Like 700 now, 600. If you add all the brands up that you mentioned uh, over 820. Wow. Uh, remarkable results right around 558 town hall Academy, 183 for the record, a hundred so when you when you put it all together, yeah, there, there's an awful lot of who I, I never would have thought five years ago that that I'd be here and I'd actually be sitting down with you and know you and 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 to have what I think people I don't I get phone calls all day long about coming on the show. Yeah, in the beginning, Cecil. Oh yeah, I was sweating the next episode. <laughs> We kind of do that now. We're on. We're at fifty. This will be. We'll air this somewhere around fifty-five or fifty-six. Sure. And uh, we do one about every two weeks. And we're often sweating the next episode. Is everybody going to show up? Do they? You know? Do we have enough people? Do they? Are they going to be good? You know, all of those things that you that you think about when you're. You know, th- the podcast for me is important because we're talking about things that I think are important for the industry. And, and um, I care deeply about the industry as I know you do also. And, and I would say most of your guests also uh, greatly care. What, what is your most interesting uh, uh, podcast? If you have to think about it, what is that thing? Um. You're putting me on the spot because there are so many. And yeah, I, I, it's like when someone asked me, you know, where would you like to live? And you know, yeah, I, I, yeah. there's about 25 places that I would love to live. 
And you know, it's it's easy if you asked me my favorite food, I would have told you ravioli. Yeah. You know, that's that's just something you know based yeah, on yeah, my yeah. heritage that I need to have. So give me a give me a the the the, the three that kind of come to mind. Oh boy, um, you know that they, they could be a series of shows that we've done. For example, you know the coaches business coaches lab that we 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 covered processes and culture, anything that ends up becoming something that I believe the the shop operator, the future shop owner, the technician who is thinking about the service advisor, they learn big important things to shape themselves, their lives and you know and, and their future. But it goes back to uh, I mean, this is such an interesting story. When I was at Apex, I'm going to, I'm trying to bring the numbers together probably five years ago. And I was sitting in an AVI seminar and Bill Haas got up there and he's presenting to um, the group and he introduces this man called Giuliano Zaccato, the Mustang man and uh, Italian broken English. And he gets up and I am mesmerized by what he has to say that he was, he came over from Italy to Canada, he couldn't get into U.S. because we had immigration rules and laws. And the whole story was that he ended up working on the design team for the original Mustang, Mustang Ford wow, Mustang. Wow, that would be something. And and I went up to him with my business card as I was, again, think four years, five years ago when I yeah. just started. A rookie. And what I said is, how can I get this guy to interview with me? What do I have yeah. to do? He's got press pictures. He's got a handler with him. He's in his 80s. Right. And I went up to him and I said, Mr. Zucato, my name is Carmanucci Capriato. <laughs> and I gave him my card. And he, go, he looks at me and he goes, Italiano. And I said, yes. And I said, I want to interview you about the story you just told. And within four or five days of getting back, I'm on the phone with Giuliano. I recorded the episode with him. My, my first video audio combo so interesting. He's talking about Henry Ford, Lee Iacocca. He's telling all these incredible stories. And, and I'm sitting here with goosebumps saying, this can't be happening to me. Episode 172. That's one I won't forget, right? Yeah. Giuliano and I ended up becoming friends. We were talking every two or three weeks. He wow. has this idea and that idea. And he's, I'm going here, Karma Mid-Florida, and I'm signing dashboards of Mustangs. And he just became such this cool guy. And then... He ends up getting glioblastoma tumor, mm -hmm. and and you know here's here's this this this, you know it's tough for me to even talk about it. So then, I met an ASA event in Detroit, and knowing I was going to drive there, I I packed all my equipment and I called Giuliano. I says, "Can I come to your home, and do another episode about the work he did with the Crossfire in Chrysler? Oh yeah, over in Italy." He After he left COVID. Ford, he, yeah, yeah, he worked yeah. on that. Yeah, and he had the he had the tumor. He was going through chemo, and it. I had the cameras and everything set up, and it took about two or three hours to get this like forty or fifty minute episode with slides on. He had pictures of the crossfire. It was really cool, and he was so emotional in trying to get through this thing. And so, so if there's any one thing that said, pinch yourself, this is happening to you. Yeah. You're sitting down in this guy's Detroit home who had his hands in the clay helping d d develop that pony car. Yeah. 
and even though it had nothing to do with leading you know changing lives and building better leaders and and, and running better businesses to me it allowed me to think that I could do other things what if we told you that you could get quality training and education conveniently and without emptying your pockets? Our Gear platform presents great education and resources for automotive shops, courses led by experts inside and outside our industry, a community of like-minded people to engage with, and a resource library at your fingertips. With a monthly membership, you can gain access to every course we have in the library, as well as the multiple courses we add each and every month. With the ability to watch wherever and whenever you'd like, Gear provides the training you've been looking for at only $129 a month. For help with improving your business, head to ifrave.com and click on the courses we teach to sign up for a better business and a better life today. You know, somebody, um, my father, um, my father was a Mustang. He was a Ford guy. He, at 12, he started cleaning up at the Ford dealership and he became a Ford technician and he was a Ford guy and he loved Mustangs. So my first three cars were Mustangs. I had a 66 when I was 16. Um, uh, I had another 66 and then I did a frame off on a 66, uh, two plus two where we, we, we had raced with these guys. So, so, you know, when you, when you, I, I just watched the Ford versus Ferrari movie like three times. And I recorded that. Oh yeah. Those guys are, those are guys my dad raced with when I was a little guy, I was there you know, right. And, and some of the people they talked about, we, we raced with, and it was very um, emotional, frankly, for me. Uh, Dad's been gone now 13 years. And uh, um, it was very emotional for me to watch that movie and think about the racing. That's the only time I, when I was a kid, that's the only time I really spent with my dad was at the racetrack when he was racing. And even that was kind of sketchy, depending on what was going on. But but it was uh, it was powerful, and sometimes those things they shape you, right? I mean, are you yearning for the past at all? No, I'm not a I'm not a past kind of guy. I but, mean, but I, but I, I am Cecil, and the and the reason that I ask you the question is because I'm trying to, I'm trying to find somebody in my age group that I'm not yearning to go back, but I'm yearning to bring some of the memories. You know, my oh, yeah. wife is my wife is that, unbelievable with dates and times, and she I, goes, "Do you remember?" And all of a sudden, bing, and yeah. and I say, "Oh my, yeah, it was a good we did." And I'm getting ready to do a show called "The Decades." I'm going to do the '70s, '80s, '90s, in Y2K, and I've got five five people you know, the whole yeah. industry knows, coming on to talk about how they teched in the '70s. Oh yeah, it was it was a it was a different world. I mean, completely. I started in '79 working on cars, um, and I probably over the next 17, 18 years was a technician and a service advisor because yeah. back then that's what we did, right? Yeah. You know, you you ran the front counter, you also worked on cars, you you know, you did some of everything. Well, I got to have you on the '80s show, okay? Oh yeah, I'd well, love. I'm going to make a note. Okay, it would be really great. Right. Um, I, and I still remember some of that stuff. So, um, and the world has changed so much. There's some things that, you know, there are times when I think about my dad and I think, um, you know, he would look at me like, are you, are you crazy or what the hell are you thinking? You know? And, and now I'm doing that with my own adult children. Right. You know, like, like sometimes it's just like, and I think, did my dad 
you know, ever think, is the world gone crazy? You know, because I, I think it has, but, but it's, it, it is interesting. I, I, I don't, I don't dwell in the past. I don't have a good memory in, in the sense of, you know, I can remember certain things. And if there are triggers like the movie, then I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I, that's going to bring something back. to me. I think you just nailed it. The word triggers. Yeah. It, it wasn't like I was trying to go back and, and, and reminisce or relive it, but the, the triggers of the feelings that we had growing up and doing new and different things and that I yeah. could do it, I I was doing 10 things at once in my 20s and I was burning the candle at every possible end. And and when I go back and think about that, I said, wow, how the hell did I survive that? Yeah, I, I do miss the, the the kind of the physicality and the energy of being 35, 40, 45. Um, and, and I wonder, you know, what the next 25 years brings. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm like you. I want to be like uh, the guy you were talking, the Italian uh, gentleman that did the Mustang. I want to be like him because when I'm 80, I don't want to be, I don't want to be sitting in a rest home. You know, I want to be making a contribution for as long as I can make a contribution. Yeah. And I think you and I, in that particular sense, we certainly are an awful lot alike, right? Yeah, we we are. And and you know what? I want to be podcasting into my 80s. Yeah, why not? Because, because I, I, I <clears throat> excuse me, wow, I can't seem to stop coming up with new ideas like this whole decades thing. Right. I'm on the phone. I, I listen. I listen for cues every time I talk to someone. And someone said, God, we had a tool back in the 70s that did this. You know, so unbelievably low tech, crazy. You'd look at this thing today and says, what the hell is that? And, and it just, it got me thinking. How was it different? Can we tell, can we, can we walk down memory lane and tell our new young techs how it was? Because oh, well, we always hear about the seventies. We always hear about the eighties and you guys didn't know what diagnostics were. And guys well, was, looked at it, it. It was different. I mean, you know, uh, working on a, a 1970 vehicle is nothing like working on a 2020 vehicle. Right. I mean, yeah, brakes are brakes and, air conditioning works in a specific way and the internal combustion works in a specific way. But with all the electronics and all the other things, it has changed from, I don't know. I, I'm a pretty smart guy. At least I think so. Um, you know, I have a fairly high IQ, all of that stuff. I don't know if I have what it takes at this point in my life to be a tech. I know I don't physically, but I don't know that I do mentally because there's so much to know. But in the world, if, but, if you were in your twenties or thirties, you'd be fine. But oh, yeah, yeah. You, you, I'm you're, not, you're just right. you're drained. I mean, you, you've taken yeah. a different step in your career, and you so love what you do today that gets in the way of you saying yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know that that's that's the truth. Frankly, I, I, I I'm very, very pleased with where I'm at today. Okay, um, and and I did not ever in my wildest dreams as a as a younger man believe that I would be here, you know? Um, and, uh, it is pretty cool, uh, to be able to do what I do in this industry and, and, and really have an impact on so many people like, like, like what you do. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you know, it's the same with me. Uh, you know, not too many people know I was a rock and roll DJ on the radio back in the seventies. And so being behind one of these yeah, yeah. is not foreign to me. 
because I did it and I learned an awful lot. College radio back, you know, all these crazy things. I'm on the radio in the family business. I had a DJ system. I was engaged. I mean, I was really just doing, uh, oh, I was a yes man. Sure, I can do this. I want to do that. I will get this done. You know what I'm saying? So T minus all that stuff up to today, it's not like the mic is something I need to have as an appendage, but I'm comfortable behind it. And, and I, and I know that I can use it to change people's lives. I, I, I've met so many people that really struggle um, to teach so many people that have so much uh, knowledge and um, wisdom, and yet they struggle to be in front of people to, to teach people or whatever. And I just thank God that I was blessed. Um, you know, when I was standing in line up there, I guess one of the things was the ability to, this doesn't matter to me at all. Right. You know, being in front of a thousand people to me is it's a, it's a high, it's an enjoyable it's juice. thing. It's juice, yeah. baby. I know. Yeah. And, 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 and it's funny too, because uh, Kent and I, my son, we were looking at, some of the early education from the Institute. And it's almost embarrassing, frankly, you know, you look at your first episode and you go, Oh my, right. You know, we are, it is Please. so different now. Please don't um, go listen to the first hundred of mine. <laughs> so, all right. Um, let's, uh, let's, uh, I could do this all day with you, oh, but I'm no. pretty sure the audience is going to want to hear some other wisdom from you because you yeah, have so give us something else. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, so, so let's shift to this. Um, you know, we're, we're in this pandemic, uh, uh, that we're on a second round, so to speak. I mean, you know, there was a point a month and a half ago, two months ago where I thought, well, maybe by August things will be settled down and the world will kind of get back to normal. I'm now, at a point that I think business is different and it's going to be different moving forward. And so let's, let's um, maybe not dwell on the, the pandemic part of it, but the, the difference, the, how business is going to be done. We're seeing some younger, a lot more younger people. We're seeing some of the older guys, um, you know, in our age bracket, they're, they're getting out. Um, well, they, they want out. They, they, they're rather closed without even trying to figure out how to sell it. Which makes the me second, a little bit crazy, but okay. Yeah, the second wave, in my opinion, was cement for the ch- for, for profound change. Oh yeah, I, I would. It, I would. It was say, cement, right? Yeah, because we can't. At this point, I don't think that we, as an industry or the public, as the public, is going to go back to the old way of doing business. And so, you know, you you challenged me to think this through. I wrote a few things down. One of the things that I wrote, and they're in no specific order at all. It was just when they just float off my mind, touchless. And I'm wondering how touchless is going to be a very big component to doing business. And I think it's not about short-term, it's vaccine. I think it may be extended way yeah, beyond yeah. As, a, as a feature of doing business with me. Yeah, I think... I think um uh, uh, in 2004, Larry Moore, who I was working with, we were doing some, I was running a shop and we were doing software, uh, f- kind of financial software for the industry and some other stuff. And, uh, we talked about kiosks and, um, you know, uh, that would be maybe at the mall with a couple of parking spaces. You brought your car, you picked up a car, you know, that kind of thing, but you didn't really talk to somebody. Now yeah. we didn't have zoom or, or go to meeting or some of those things back then. So it was, it was more difficult, but now 
we have shops or I have lots of shops that are literally not talking to their customers at all, yeah. other than through something like this or, or, or through the phone or text. Yeah. Even there, there are, there are lots of conversations going on with text where there's not even a vocal conversation. Yeah. Well, the um, kiosk is the kiosk should now be the smartphone. Yeah, and, it and is. So if you right? want to have your own germs, you've got your own germs and you don't have to literally worry about, um, uh, having that kiosk touchscreen right. cleaned. It, it, this is this is the kiosk. That's where I think it's going to be. I also think cloud-based t- technology is is like the base case to prove how important it was it was about COVID. Um, the guys and ladies that have the ability to be anywhere and check in on their business, check in on their customers, communicate with their people, communicate with their customers. It doesn't that whole thing it's not it's not the internet it's the cloud that allows the applications to live in your lap in your hand yeah, well well 10 years ago um i was working monday through friday uh occasionally on a weekend if i was teaching but if i wasn't teaching you know after five or after six i wasn't working i i wasn't up early in the morning i'm not a morning guy never have been so uh you know you if you get me at eight o'clock that's pretty darn good. And, and today, I'm almost working seven days a week, not, not consistently, but throughout the week. So Saturdays, uh, this morning at 6.30 in the morning, somebody on the East Coast was hitting my phone. Uh, I was talking to them. Uh, tonight, I may have somebody on, you know, in uh, California or whatever that I'll, I'll be talking to, and it'll be past time that I would normally be close. The, the, the smartphone and the, the cloud has dramatically changed the way we do business today. And I think, uh, and, and also the way we mark, there's so many other changes in the marketing arena. Um, and, and you think about, you know, when I was growing up, there were some super strong companies that owned, you know, their share of the market was huge in, in like, um, uh, point of sale or uh, uh, shop management systems, right? I mean, I when I was talk about the eighties, um, I bought an Apple system in nineteen eighty two to run the shop. It had forty megabytes of memory, and no. it took us and and it took us three years uh, uh, to fill that thing up. Um, you know, so but now the the people that had that share of the market it's diminishing dr- dramatically because of a thing called um what, what do they call it um competence blindness um there's a guy named Dittmar Dahmen that talks about this and he says uh you know back in the uh, in the 1800s everything came in cans meat everything was canned yeah. so um and then along came ice boxes you know and i still say ice box my kids make fun of me but it was a box that you put ice in that you kept fresh stuff in, right? And then, and then came refrigeration, you know? And, the, and, and he talks about how the, what they were doing with the canning was so good for them, they didn't see the next thing. And so they didn't invest in it. They didn't, you know, even, even the, the most recent example I can give would be Blockbuster. You know, Blockbuster felt like, you know, come get a video. Everybody comes. They were a two and a half billion dollar company. And two years later, they were gone. Uh, Netflix. And now 
um, you know, everything else. And, and I just see our industry. I see a lot of, I see a lot of dinosaurs in our industry that haven't stayed up with us. And I see some new things coming in that are very exciting. There's, you know, I call them disruptors. Uh, yeah. I dealt with them in my former life where somebody walked in and said, you know, you're not doing this good. We can do it better than you. And, you know, if, if you want to play, you have to pay. It, it, these there, there's a lot of lot of disruptors going on in our industry. I, I'm not prepared to talk about it, but I had a long talk with someone this week. Shop owner calls me up and he says, "I got to get this off my chest. Do you have a chance to listen?" Oh, cool. And so, of course, I did. Let me record it. <laughs> well, I should have, but yeah. eh, it probably wouldn't have made the air. Okay. <laughs> because he was really pissed about a couple of things. Oh. But I I think disruptors are going to continue for us. But you know. I think membership networks, 20 groups like you have yeah, yeah. Uh, coaching. I'm telling you, man, I, I so wonder why there aren't that 50% of the industry doesn't have a business coach. I, I wonder why. Well, and you know, I wonder if because of the pandemic, because of the group that made it, Someday the guys are going to be in the 20 group and with their local networking and say, so what do you think helped you through this? And they're going to say, my business coach. I can tell you, I can tell you, it's, it's very interesting when you're in, in my position as a business coach or as a consultant or a group leader of, of 20s groups, et cetera, um, because you have you have these different people coming in. There are different stages of their development. Um, I get frustrated with the guy that came in knowing nothing, and now he thinks he knows everything, and so he doesn't need anybody else or need anything else. That frustrates me, and I get really frustrated with a guy that, you know, I I use a lot of logic to prove, you know, numbers, finances, etc., to prove that this model works better than this model. This does better than this and, and try to get people motivated. And there are some people that just won't get motivated. I had a realization. I, I'm in the automotive industry by chance. Okay. I was, as a kid, <clears throat> I was too lazy to, to go find a job. Um, I didn't want to join the military because I don't like people telling me what to do. And my dad had a shop. And it was like, okay, I'm going to be a mechanic, you know? And I think my dad was, if I'd have, if I'd have been a fly on the wall when I called him and told him I was going to work for him, um, I, I'll bet he got off the phone and, and, and puked or whatever. I mean, I, I really do. Because I didn't have any mechanical talent whatsoever. He's my son. Point. I said yes, but, yeah. but what the hell am I doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but, but the, the, the these, these, there are people in our industry that are holding the industry back because they're not moving forward, right? And and that's frustrating. So when when you're when you're in that mix and you're trying to help these guys, um, you know you have a you have a, a large I have a large group of very loyal people that we've helped and and they love it and 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 they're probably always going to be in something whether it's with me or with somebody else because they understand the value of that. But there's so much of our industry that is struggling, that has literally um, either given up on learning or moving or anything. I'm just going to have this crappy job for the rest of my life. Um, and 
it, it, it makes me crazy because there's a good way to do this and a very successful way to do this. And we can all be successful. It's not like some guys have to lose uh, because the pie is not big enough. You know, it's it, everybody can win. But Cecil, they have to fix themselves first. And yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that, that's a big jump over a line for for a so lot many of people. people. Yeah. I, I want to be respectful of your time. A couple of other things that I had on my list about is about being authentic and this whole marketing piece and and how you come across to the to the marketplace, uh, rediscovering the value that you bring to the community and how you communicate with your people. Um, if if there was ever a time of intimacy, it happened during COVID because you almost had to say to your team, I don't know if we're going to make it. I don't know what we're going to do next. There there was so much confession being done with the team. Did it feel good? Were you comfortable with it? And if so, then you were were being more authentic than you ever were and learn from that. But that's kind of a necessity if you really want to have a team, right? I mean, there's... There's, yeah, but some people did it, and they and and they weren't yeah. good at it. They've probably never done it before. Yeah, well, they okay. felt uncomfortable, right. and it's okay to feel uncomfortable. But we were taught in 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 my generation, our generation, we were taught not to share your feelings. Uh, you know, be a man. Um, you know that tough kind of stuff. Tough it up, kid. Yeah, be tough. And and uh, you know when when you look at your business, and uh, I don't know that. I mean, it's funny because you'll talk to people and you go, well, how were you affected? Oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. It was great. You know, everything's fine. That's BS. Everybody, everybody was affected in some way. And and my business was affected. And, and when it first came out, it was like, are we going to make it through? You know, we're in transit. We're always in transition in my company. That's because I'm, I'm always, we have these. Um, You're chasing values. different stars. I know. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we have these core values. And one of our core values is we have to be relevant and move and, you know, um, and it's just, it, you need, if you want to have people in your company that invest in your company and, and, you know, the difference between being a, a decent shop and being a great shop is the investment of your people. Um, if they're truly invested in what you do, you're going to be great and you can't help it, but you have to be genuine. And, and we sat back, I, I brought all the staff in and I said, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you know, we had clients that were, you know, tightening up. We, uh, in our groups, we lost a few group members right off the bat. Most of them have come back now, which is kind of interesting, but you know, um, and you think we could go broke. I mean, we could, I'm always um, I bought this building. We've invested, I don't know, probably 160,000 into it right now, not counting the down payment on the building. And, and uh, we're halfway done in, in, in the remodel. And, and, you know, in the middle of this, we have a pandemic. And the thing that makes me nervous is that the old way of going and getting business, going to ATE, going to vision, going to that's not happening right now yeah. and, and may never happen again. There's a ton of different advisor training options in the industry, making the choice that much harder to make. Some shove too much into too little of a time frame. They can be inconvenient and costly, or they're just filled with unhelpful, non-applicable information. So how are you supposed to create confident and capable service advisors? The Advisor Mastery Program from the Institute is the industry's leading service advisor training, now almost entirely online. With one-on-one coaching, KPI tracking, live community training, 
trainings, a resource library, and more, there's no wonder why advisors who finish the program have seen their efforts rewarded with more confidence, higher arrows, and better sales. If you're ready to stop settling for mediocre and start ruling the counter, join the Advisor Mastery Program today. Head to iframe.com and register now. We'll see you in class. Did you see what Napa did? Um, they have a, a, a virtual convention. I, I was part of it. It's amazing. I mean, they've done a, a really fantastic job at that. Did you I don't know, know what's that? Gonna... Did you know that the the, the final event of that two day thing? Yeah, it was called Cocktails with Carm. Oh, was it really? Yeah, yes. yeah. And I gave away their three big honor awards that they would have normally given at the conference. Yeah. Shop owner of the year, technician of the year, part specialist of the year. I actually, we had cocktails and it was really a blast. They just interviewed me for their big magazine on, you know, how I felt being, being the host of that. Thing. Position, so, right. yeah, I mean, and, and think of what Whirlpack did in the training. Think about all the coaching companies that said, hey, listen, I can't let my, my customers out there be alone. Maybe I got to be a little part psychologist. Maybe I got to, you know, they brought them in. I, I can't imagine how many togetherness webinars you did to, to tighten the group to help. Them I, did, I did. We did one a week for the first 16 weeks. See, um, yeah. and we had 130, 100 people on that, uh, and I called it a, uh, a Friday fireside. Cool. Just let's talk about what's going on. Let's let's you know let's see if we can help each other. Blah blah blah. We I I used to travel. I mean, I used to be on. I could be on 20 flights in a week. You were never home. Yeah, and now I've been home for four months. I've been. Oh, oh how's the marriage? Flight. How's the marriage? Okay. What's that? It's 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 on the rocks right at the moment. Wait a minute! You bought her a new car recently, didn't that help? Absolutely no. <laughs> well, what have you done for me lately? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, we're we're okay. Um, but but I'm working a lot, and and I'm I'm working harder now than I've worked in a very long time because it's it's like one after the other after the other after the other. I I sometimes some days I have eight or nine meetings scheduled, and I start at you know seven in the morning, go to seven at night. And then I teach a class. That was, um, that, was ama- that was amazing for me. And not too many people know this, but I did uh, private Facebook moderations for different associations and groups on their private oh, Facebook pages. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. and I did seven weeks in a row for Napa. And there were so many other side projects that I was working with people on. Lots of stuff going on with Apex, the training, the, the, the honors that I was in, in committee on helping them. And it's like the phone rings and someone says, hey, we, we need your help. And it was like, wow, I had never worked. Not, not that I have a very tight schedule with the new Tuesday show, aftermarketweekly.com. You know, there's five major things that I produce every week out of a seven-day week. That's not and easy. then you add, you add all that stuff. You add that COVID stuff on top of that. And you say to yourself, thank God I'm working, I guess. Well, it's funny because we, when we were at Vision, we signed up uh, a couple of new clients, and and our methodology, we think is unique. We actually go to the shop, we review the business. I mean, I have this very complex business review. We build this, you know, very complex business plan, and I called, you know, we we got into April, May, you know, and I'm talking to the new client. I'm saying, you know, hold on, I can't get there, but we're gonna get this done. And, I'm not charging them anything because I'm not doing much, you know, but I'm helping them out. And uh, finally, uh, last month, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to get there till probably November, December. 
um, we need to get going now. So we did a complete review of the business through this and, and, and send me this stuff and send me video and, and pictures and, you know, and I got to tell you, I, I think I got the information that I need to make the decisions that I can help this shop. And so I'm going to do less traveling when this is done. It's going to be different, you know? See, it, see, it, you, you can't you help just it. described a, a a new and and if this works, if the base case works, and 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 you and the business plan is accepted, and it starts getting worked, who says you know Helen, you know on this two new Tuesday show we're doing a, a live shop tour. Yeah, we, we had one of your one of your coaches on. I think it was the first or the second week, and and. It was it was amazing. We have to do some rehearsals and practice the day before, a couple hours yeah. before to get get all that working. But there's no reason why you cannot be a fly on the wall in a meeting yeah. through, through this whole entire data network stuff that we have. Well, it, it's actually I think brought me closer to my clients because we're having more uh, conversations and and more critical conversations. So we're not. Um, we're not, there's not a lot of time for BS. It's okay. We have these issues. We need to solve these problems. Here's how we're going to do that. And, and they ask questions and, and I answer questions and I ask questions, they answer questions. And then we come up with, here's what we're going to do moving forward. And it's, it's much, it's much more, um, you know, concise. Uh, you're, you're, you're describing what we are describing together about the service professional. Uh, and, and you know what? We need to think at our industry, how's the coach going to do business differently? How's the supplier going to do business differently? How's the manufacturer going to, the whole industry, top to bottom, how are associations going to do business differently? If we're not going to shows, it, it can't, we'll, opinion. there's nothing like handshakes. There's nothing like eye to eye. There's nothing like sharing a, a cocktail with someone. There's nothing like having lunch with someone. I love the face-to-face, and I love being in the shops. And I, frankly, I miss going to dinner with clients, um, you know, or 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 having a lunch, and because it's a different environment. It's it's it is more. In, it's called intimacy. You you'll yeah. never develop that relationship without breaking bread with someone. Yeah, but we've taken our um, service advisor education. I do a lot of that in my company, yeah. and we now have a program. Uh, where we have identified a hundred um, topics we believe are essential to being good at, at that business, and we're um, we're in the middle of recording every one, and we have a coach that's going to work with people. You know, so uh, you can come in. It's all on our new system gear, which is amazing, and you can come in and take the class, and then have a coach talk to you about it. You know what what did you you know, what did you think? What do you think the key points were? Um, we're creating this community of service advisors that can work with each other. Uh, uh, and it, it allows us to offer the education at a much lower price, frankly. And and you just walked into my next topic and, and cut me off whenever you want to, depending on no, what we're good. We're good is. for a little bit. So, all right. So it was training. I, yeah. And my, my thought about training was, is the, uh, the number of web, listen, Every coach that I have spoken to recently has never done more training, written more classes, and is preparing for that eventual E-type training that is going to be necessary. But the beauty of what you 
what, what the industry did to step up to the plate, and the word was F-R-E-E, it seemed that everybody was doing free training for no matter what, to get their face up and out, to help people. You know, it's, it's, it's that altruistic, I want to help the industry be better because if they are, then, then we all grow, all ships rise. I think we so, made I think so, so I, I just oh. want to make my point. My, my point about training was we, we, the technicians went, the owners went, the service advisors went. I think we took training to the level up a notch or three that we've been so begging for people to, to get involved. It may, it maybe wasn't face to face, but I believe they got some value from it. And I think it'll be easier to push the value of training as we go forward. Well, I, I got introduced through Worldpack to, you know, I had a class with over 700 people in it. Um, it was an hour long. Uh, the other thing about now online training, uh, you know, I, I would do 20 slides. Uh, uh, that would be a day. Uh, now I'm doing a two hour training with that material. And there's, it, it's more to the point, it's more direct, it's more focused, uh, and, it's, and, and we're recording those things and putting them online. It's different. You know, it's, it's different. And it's funny because now I'm doing this ATE thing and they want three hours and I'm thinking three hours, oh my God, that's going to have to be this much stuff. Where normally that would be a whole day, now it's going to be three hours. Um, and so you have, to, you have to condense and you have to not wax um poetical or whatever you want to say you have to get to the point and and get it clear i think that we have an issue in in our industry or it's going to it could be an issue you know we have these big companies like napa and world pack and and others that provide uh this training and you know they're corporations that that have to be profitable and I'm watching, you know, um, you know, all this free training from a training company that was, they weren't necessarily making money, but they weren't losing money. And now they haven't made money in four or five months because everything they've done is free. You know, they're not paying me either, frankly, which is fine, uh, you know, but not forever, right? We have to understand something in our industry. You know, just like when I stand in front of a customer, I say, this is worth $150 an hour. This is worth $1,000. And I have to convince my customer that that's worth it. And the customer has to say, yeah, that's worth it and pay for it. So I can stay in business in, in this end of the, uh, of the industry with the training, people need to understand that companies like world pack and Napa, they, they can't, they can't completely lose money on their training consistently because they're different. They are corporate companies that somebody in the top is going to look down and go, this is costing our, our shareholders money we can't continue to do this this way. I, I agree. And that takes me to my final point about firming up your cash position. So think about it. Here's the company who w- would go out into the field and get paid to put on a localized class. Now they're giving it away free. But the cash position that they knew their customers were in, they would be crazy to ask them for money in, in March or April. Well, even and, today, and, you, you have to wonder about it because the... The, it's not over. Well, business, right. but business came back with a vengeance. I mean, we've, you've got clients that are probably up. 100%. Most of my clients, most of my clients are up 20 to 30%. So the point is the, the cash year. came back. They yeah. learned how to manage expenses. They realized the value and the power of having a good cash position. Yeah. 
yeah. going in. Now they're going to conserve a little bit. Now they're going to be conservative on training, but it's going to push guys like you, guys like Napa, guys like World Pack, guys like Car up to a new level of giving value for the dollars they're giving. And holding online resumes, learning management systems, scores, assessments in, assessments out. If yeah. we, if, if all of that isn't done, it's a waste of dollars. I think people will be willing to pay for training at a new level. I think, I think one thing that, that has come from all of this, uh, or two things, one is that most of my clients are, they're much more careful about how and where they're spending money. So, um, they're, they're, uh, you know, we we want our clients at least quarterly to take a good, serious look at what they're spending. And, you know, like a COVID look, like, oh, my gosh, if I keep this up, I could go broke. So what what can I do? Mm -hmm. But I would also tell you that 10 years ago, I was looking at our industry and, you know, where we were cutting was marketing and, and training and, and uh, the owner's pay. And that's not going to be good for the business. We have to be more careful in different ways. And then the second thing I think that happened throughout all this that I think is actually very positive was that there were people out there who got nervous about business because, you, you know, prior to this, you could kind of just float along. There were a lot of people kind of floating along. And all of a sudden it was like the, the water's, you know, running down. There's not going to be any floating along anymore. You're going to have to get up and carry your, your canoe down the stream bed. Um, so, I think that that introduced people to training and things that they, they weren't doing prior. And the right. fact that Worldpack and Napa and, you know, we did a lot of free training too. We, we charge a little bit now, but um, it's, it's way different than it was uh, prior to all of this for us, yeah, even for our companies. So, um, yeah, I think the world, our, our world is changing. Um, let's, let's, before I let you off the hook here, because I usually go about an hour here and, and we're about 20 minutes from that. If you if you need to draw this to an end sooner, that's fine. No, but, there's just a bourbon waiting for me somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's 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 a good thing. I wish I drank sometimes because they're, they're – I know you don't. I, I, there should I, be two I, bourbons I, waiting for me. I'm not trying to encourage you. I'm just telling yeah. you. <laughs> but, but, um, but what's the future of – uh, you know, let's look out five, 10 years from now, you know, what's the future of uh, the automotive industry? And we keep changing and, and, and change gets um, uh, more faster every day in our, for our industry. And we're going to lose some of the old timers that haven't changed, that aren't moving themselves forward or their businesses forward. We're going to use some young people that aren't paying attention. We're going to lose them. What's it look like in the next five years. Well, I, I don't think I'm, I'm the genie with the, uh, the crystal ball that can tell you, but you know, when I, when I look at ADES calibration, we've just done a, did a show on that. It, 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 just l let me give you a minute on that. Here it is. The, 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 the number of vehicles that are on the road today that are equipped that could have a bump on the front bumper and, and, uh, they, they replace something. They didn't replace the bracket. They attempted to do a calibration and they didn't. And it goes back to this moral and ethical um, and empathetic decisions to do the calibration and get it done right to OE spec. If not, David Friend was on the show. It released yesterday. Uh, we did an ADAS, the business of ADAS part two. He almost got killed in a Honda. And if it wasn't for the ADAS systems, he would not be here. 
He yeah. is an ADAS tr- trainer. He has a, has a in-house two shops and a mobile. He will, he, the insurance companies, they always argue can't cost this, blah, blah, blah. He says, I was almost killed and I will not let this vehicle do it. It has to be Halfway, right. It has to be right. Yeah. And, and that's and the so, other thing about this. Yeah. Right? So my, my point about ADAS and the point about today, there's a static way to calibrate and we are going to see a change to probably dynamic when the sensor goes on, it's going to very possibly connect itself to every system and says, Hey, I'm new. I'm wow. here. How, how should I work? How do I it's calibrate? The cloud again, right? right? So yeah. yeah, it goes well. There's another interesting thing about the cloud, and that's this thing called Edge, and they're they're saying that the connectivity to V to X on the street with the vehicles to make uh, you know autonomy really work, the cloud isn't fast enough. Oh wow! And I just read this great article. I I did a a segment on it in AftermarketWeekly.com this past Tuesday, and uh, for the first time I learned about this thing called Edge. And that is the computing for those critical numbers are going to be done on the edge of the cloud, not in the cloud. And so I don't know how the hell that works and what that really means, but I found that so interesting. So if we're paying attention to technology and we're paying attention to uh, profitability, we've hired a coach and we're nimble and we change. I think the growth opportunity, I, I, I think if you... If you stagnate, you if there's a point in time where this million and a half dollar facility or business is going to take you only so far as we are faced with all kinds of incredible competition and we're, we're afraid. I've got this an unbelievable survey, independent auto repair shop, competitors, perceptions and differentiation of the big box change. They do more advertising. They are more well known. They have larger shops and more technical equipment. What BS for yeah, for for independent shops to think that yeah. that that's the reason that you can't compete with them? So you gotta be a better leader and CEO and be nimble and not be afraid of the future and say say I'm going to adapt and I'm 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 going to do what it takes. I'm going to stay close to Cecil, close to my smart group. I'm I'm going to be so in and i'm gonna i'm just look i'm looking for the next change what do i have to do to change my model and and you you don't want to be stagnant today at 30 years old at 40 or 50 or even 60 you cannot afford to be stagnant Stop wasting your time trying to find a magic bullet. There isn't one. However, our Keys to Automotive Business Success teaches the foundations of a successful automotive shop and gets you started on the right path, which is pretty close. You'll learn how to set actionable and achievable goals, understand your financial model, and how to communicate more effectively with your team. This course was designed to jumpstart your results, not waste your time. Take the class today and you'll learn how to start creating the business and life you want. Visit ifrave.com to register for the class at only $49 and available to take wherever and whenever you'd like it's what every shop owner needs to kickstart their business into success let me let me um let me shift you a little bit here in this um i agree with you 100 percent. i think um i think the opportunity for the guy that is nimble for the guy that gets it for the guy that understands uh for the guy that can can make adjustments um quickly in his business is unbelievable it's it's, it's an opportunity that we never had in the 70s, 80s, even 90s. It just wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, we're still 
130 bucks an hour. Uh, and that's not enough, frankly, to have a million and a half dollar facility. That's not enough to buy all the ADOS and get on the edge of the cloud and, and, yeah. and all of that. And, yeah. and we still are an industry that's being, you know, there's a few of us, we keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And then there's a lot of, there's still a lot of people dragging it back. Well, we can't go over 120 bucks an hour because our customers won't, they won't come in. They won't pay that. Um, so how does this industry <laughs> make that adjustment? Uh, you know, we, we, in my opinion, we should be 250 now. And you and I have talked about this a lot. I know. I know. You're probably going, oh, he's going to bring this up again. No. But it's one of the things that's holding the industry back. Sure. I, my plumber is charging me 250 300 bucks an hour. My electrician is charging me that. Okay, why, so, why am so I if, not? So go, go back to my point of pay, paying attention, wanting to be nimble and adapt. If, if you have that mindset, the labor rate's going to be right yeah. because you realize that you cannot go forward without charging the right time and charging the right and having the right labor rate. There's two combos to that. You know that. And I, and I would also t I would also tell you that there's a, a segment of the population, and it's probably the largest segment that understands if I go there and buy that, that value is not there for me. Okay, if I go here and pay more, I've got a better value for me. And and I think it's the largest part of the population. You know, in in my shop in 2010, we were 158 dollars an hour, and everybody else around us was. 95, 97, uh, you know, under a hundred. And we were busy consistently with, with the right clients, just our labor rate. Some of it dictated the client base. Right. And, and, uh, but so I, on, from my end, it's like, it's like running an automotive shop. Carmen. It's so easy in my head to do that and, and sell work and charge what you need to and all of that. And, and we have, we have people in our industry that do that exceptionally well. I have a lot of clients that do. I'm sure that many of the other coaches and consultants have clients that do that really well. But then there's also so many people that that they fear, you know, making those adjustments. They fear that. And we hear that, uh, you know, one, I probably there was a segment of many of my podcasts between year three, two and a half and year four that I would always ask, have you raised your labor rate recently? Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, how many customers did you lose? None. Uh, tell me the conclusion for that. You know, Cecil told me to do it. I should have listened to him years ago. I don't ask that anymore because in my mind, that is such an assumptive thing that good operators need to do. I've interviewed uh, shop owners that are in the $200 range. And, and in order to get that, you can't do it now if your business uh, doesn't give the best customer experience they've ever had in the marketplace. That yeah, you're if you're not, not a $200 shop, you can't charge 200 bucks. That's right. I mean, the point, yeah. the point is, is that your goal, your goal as a, as a coach, all the coaches should say, um, you're on my 225 per hour plan. And here's what we're going to do to get there. We're going to shore up every one of these processes, systems, and cultures, and people, and all that stuff. Facility, that, that everything. Yeah. I mean, to me, if you've got a 20% net operating income, there's nothing you can't do. Right. And, and I think it's essential in our, in our, in our industry that we, 
we start to understand we cannot run the business like we did in 1960, 1970, 1980. We just can't do it. And, and the guys that are most successful are the guys that are on the edge, right? You know, they're not in the cloud. They're on the edge. Very good. I had a thought uh, as we were having that conversation and it, it got uh, thrown out of my out of my brain. I was on a roll. Um, I'm sorry. You should have written it down because no, you when great. you get as old as me, you got to write things down. Dude, I got a lot of notes right here, actually. Um, so our, our industry is going to change. We're going to lose um, a lot of good people, but the people that get it and understand it and move their business forward, you were talking about, you're on the $225 an hour shop plan. Um, we're in our industry, in order for us to attract good people, keep good people, give great service. You know, I, I, I just did a, I'm doing a class on Monday where I'm going to talk a bit about what employees deserve from us, uh, the, the shop and, and how we're going to attract employees in the future. And it's not, it's not by having, a, a, a um, it's just like customers. We're not going to attract customers to a, a crappy shop that looks bad and smells bad and et cetera. It's just not going to happen anymore. Um, the world has changed around us and we've got to be better than what we were moving forward as an industry. I love it. Well, um, Carm, we're going to let you go. We're, we're kind of at that point. Um, sorry for that little break, but uh, you know, I think this was really good. I, I so much, you have so much knowledge about the industry and you're so you're, you're as passionate about the industry as I am. Yeah. And I, you know, I just think that uh, it's just very exciting to see what you're doing and to see the, our, 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 the changes that, you know, as, as I get older, I, I, I hope to keep up with that and, and be able to, um, you know, continue to make a difference. It's one of the important points. The day when I think I can't, I think that's the day that I, I will retire. No, no, no. You will, you will delegate. You will have groomed Kent enough to delegate. You'll watch him come up with those, you know, bright white new ideas You'll help him formulate. You'll let him do a lot of them on his own so that he can learn, fail forward, right? Yeah. But you, you're, you're, you're going to have a new role. It's not, it's not I'm on 100%, I'm off zero. You're going to have a diminishing role, and you're going to end up doing what you love the best. And I don't know if it's writing classes, if it's giving an occasional monthly class, if it's the ideas guy, if it's the purpose. You'll find your stride. I think... Um, you know, I love teaching and I love the one-on-one -on -one with the clients, helping them understand a new concept. When that light bulb goes off um, and they get it, to me, that's the greatest. That's, that's my crack cocaine. That's my, yeah. that's my speed. You know, that's yeah, the thing. And so even now in my company, it's so funny because I teach people in an automotive shop. I can walk right in and i can i can go okay you're going to do this and you're going to do that and manage it and take that managerial role and not be necessarily active in it but in the coaching company it's been extremely difficult to you know pull myself out of a lot of stuff and even now Kent will come in my office and he'll go you know i'm going to there's this and there's this and i'm like okay don't talk to me about it just go do it right you know wow. no, well, that was smart you know yeah well yeah i mean the the kids I have the most amazing staff. I mean, frankly, uh, Kent's, he's, don't, don't let him watch this. He's probably smarter than I am. He just doesn't realize it. Well, um, 
and, the encouragement of, of, of Kent as, as a son. And the only thing I can say to you, and I know you know this better than I do, but I'm going to say it for the sake of the audience. If you've got a, a, a child working in your business and you don't tell them how much you appreciate what they do, if you, if you pull them back, if you push them forward, no matter what it is, at the end of the day, they really feel that they've given their all great new ideas, formulated. They're driving the bus for you. They're trying to be you and drive the bus. If they don't get that high five occasion, you're, you're, the, 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 not, nothing else you could do to build a great culture will, will hurt more than so that I, child not being on board. So I, I can think of a, gr- a great example, and, and I like examples um, because they, they get the point across. Uh, if I'm going to market my business, I'm going to do some things wrong. And some of the money I spend is going to be wasted money. It, right. It's just how it is, right? There's so much out there. And, and I don't think anybody's ever done marketing and it's all worked and it's all paid off and all of that. So, so when you have someone uh, like Kent, we have, we have Lex, we have Michael, you know, we have um, just so many amazing people in the company. I've been very blessed to be able to bring these young um, excited ideas, etc. If you don't allow them to go out and do things, and occasionally it falls on, you know, it falls apart. But but you know, most of the time it, it, it's amazing. Our our internet um, usage, uh, not from COVID, but a year ago we were at three thousand uh, hits, uh, uh, three thousand at this time, uh, as of like a week ago, we were over 300,000. Wow. Uh, we've had over 300,000 people look at our stuff, uh, take a class, watch something, get involved with something. And, <clears throat> and that's because of Kent and Lex and Michael and, sure. and, and the staff here, the people that, you know, that are amazing and, and also a lot younger. But I am taking different roles. So. You let them spread their wings, but you also gave them responsibility to, yeah. uh, to get that done. Well, I think I think the COVID thing that we talked about when you're sitting down with your staff and you're saying, I don't know what we're going to do, but we have to find a different way to make money, earn money here and still give value to our clients. Um, I think this is an extremely valuable um, conversation. We we did some other things. Uh, you know, we we I, I'm working with two different um, uh, marketing companies, uh, setting up funnels and and creating content and, and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. And it's. The only way that I, the only reason I could do that is because I have this staff that can do the job. If I thought I had to do it by myself, no way we would. We'd be in the old model. I'd be, I'd be the guy charging, you know, ninety-eight dollars an hour, afraid to go over hundred. So it's it, it's been amazing. Well, Carm, thank you so much for your time. I, I, again, I don't want to abuse your time. Um, uh, not sure when this will air, but uh, uh, just so glad to have you uh, as a friend of mine and as a person in our industry. Just so excited and so energetic and, and so dedicated to the industry. So th- thank you. To you my friend. I, I appreciate you, yeah. my friend. Thank you. All so right. Much. Appreciate you being um, me. Care. I, I'm, I'm saying I'm thanking you for being on my show and it's not no, it's the other, it's way, the other way, around. way around this time, <laughs> but, but uh, I got to come on. I got to, I got a gripe that, that I need to do on, on the one. So we got right, right. it. We, we, all right. So, well, let me know. And when you do the eighties thing, I'll, I'll be there. So all right, thanks, uh, uh, thank you, brother. Take See care. You. That's it for this one. This episode was brought to you by GearForShops.com and The Institute. To find more episodes or for more information about the services we provide, visit iForAbe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one.